No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, welcome back to This Is Not A Backup Plan. I am so glad you are here. Last week, an interview about this podcast was featured in Natalie Brown's column in the Salt Lake Tribune, and it is so much fun. I'll link to it in the show notes. I loved getting to chat with her, and really the best part of it has been all the people who have said that they're now listening to the podcast. So if you came to the podcast from that column, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I've loved hearing from you about how this has impacted you and how this relates to your story. So thank you for sharing them with me. I just always love to hear what the podcast means to people. So my next few episodes have become kind of a really fun, unofficial series where I will be chatting with people I went to high school with. I have been just reaching out to women I know who I have like kept in touch with like vaguely on social media to see if they would like to talk with me about their journey of ambition and their career and maybe how their perspective on certain things have changed. And I'm really excited for you to hear these conversations. It's so fun to talk to people who like I knew when they were younger, like what some of their dreams or some of their feelings were and to kind of get it like come back after our lives have parted ways in many aspects and hear about what they're doing. So this week's interview is with my friend Clara Cummings. She works at a tech company in Utah and we talk about her unique journey there. We talk about kind of how she found that career, which is very unexpected for her, and also some of the other ways that she has found to integrate her passion and ambition into her life. So enjoy this conversation with Clara. All right, Clara, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to chat with you. Will you start out by introducing yourself? Yeah. So my name is Clara. I am the head of customer success at a local Utah tech company. I've been there for almost two years now, which is really awesome. I live with my boyfriend of almost a year and a half. We've got three dogs together. Life is a little crazy, but just up and bountiful and having the time of my life. That's so much fun. So we went to high school together and we were like in similar circles. So I remember like yes. things you did, things you were good at. I like know where you went to college. But after that, like it's fuzzy for me on what happened. So I'd love to start out with maybe what was college like for you? What were you thinking about? What were you considering studying? When we were together in high school, we ran in like the choir theater circle. And that was kind of my idea of where I would end up. I remember thinking one day I'm going to be at the Oscars. That's where my destiny is taking me. And I got to college and realized I wasn't really great at that. It definitely was a passion of mine, but not somewhere where I really excelled. And I went to BYU primarily with the intention of studying Arabic. BYU has one of the best Arabic programs in the entire nation. And so I knew from the time I was 14, my first experience with the BYU Arabic program, that was somewhere I wanted to be. 
So I went to BYU with this intention, got into the Middle East Studies and Arabic program, decided to emphasize in political science. And towards the beginning of my senior year of college, when real life is about to hit you, you have to reevaluate some things. So during most of my time at college, I had been working at a small tech company. I had started out in sales and quickly discovered sales was not for me. I think I made one sale in my whole 30 days of the job. And it was because somebody was trying to check out on the website when I called them. So they were having a website error and I basically just helped them click the checkout button. So after that, I decided sales, not for me, but they had an opening for a receptionist and kind of working with their tech support, doing some really basic customer facing interactions, some basic financial tracking. And so that had been what I was doing through most of college, my sophomore, junior and senior year. But as I'm getting ready to graduate, obviously receptionist, doesn't have anything to do with Arabic. And I knew that was what I was good at, what I wanted to do. So on a whim, I decided to take the foreign service officer test. Didn't think I would pass. So I didn't edit my resume. It was basically in Comic Sans font. It was not very good. It hadn't been edited. It was not professional at all. But like I said, I just wanted to take the test and see what would happen for me. Took the test, went home. And a couple of weeks later, I found out I had passed, which was insane to me because from what I had heard from all these other people, this is a test that most people take five or six times before they ever pass the first go around. So I really shocked myself and thought, oh, wow, maybe this is something that I could do, but didn't make it past the second or third rounds, which was a little bit of a bummer. So I decided maybe foreign service isn't for me. We need to reevaluate. Came back to the tech company. College is quickly ending. I need to get figured out pretty fast here. I didn't like my receptionist job. So I told the company, I said, Hey, we need to figure out something that's a little bit better because I don't want to be a receptionist forever. That's not my dream. And they had an opening on their product team where I did some product management for a while. And after that, I said, Nope, this still isn't for me. We need to find something even better than that. And they said, there's this kind of new industry that's coming up. It's called customer success. We don't really know what it is. Would you be interested in researching that, building it out, and building a customer success department here at our company? And I said, that sounds awesome. I love working with people. I love finding answers to problems. I love building things. And that's what got me to the customer success world. So I kind of just fell into it. And do I do anything with Arabic now? Unfortunately not, other than every once in a while when a friend's Facebook post pops up. But that's how I got into the tech scene here in Utah was by accident through a receptionist job. I will say, though, I feel like it's really unfair to say that you fell into it because you were really courageous and like really assertive in telling your company, like, I want to continue working here, but these jobs are not for me. What helped you to have the confidence to say like, hey, I want to do something different rather than just saying this isn't working and like jumping ship and leaving and trying to go somewhere different? I think a really big part of it for me was knowing my internal worth and how hard I had worked to get there and knowing that I was willing to put in the work and willing to fall on my face a couple of times. I think that's one really valuable skill that language learning taught me is that you have to be willing to screw up and you're going to screw up and you're going to make a fool of yourself and you're going to say the wrong word, but you get up and you try again. And so I think I've been able to carry that skill from language learning into a lot of other aspects of my life and being able to say, you know what? 
I'm going to take a chance here. I'm going to take a risk. I might fall flat on my butt and have to pick myself up again, but then I take six more steps forward and I'm able to move on my path of life. I love that so much, especially because I feel like I'm sure there are people who are telling you or made comments when you were like learning Arabic and passionate about that of like, Mm -hmm. that narrowly applies to things. Like, what if it didn't work out? How cool that this hard thing that you loved set you up to do other hard things later on in your career. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So as someone who like, I remember, like, I do remember like the choir, the theater, like your love Mm -hmm. of like performance and creativity. I think sometimes people in those circles see that there are lots of jobs in tech, but then worry, like, could I have a job in tech? Would I be giving up things that I love? What is that transition like? And maybe what are the ways it connects with some of those loves? But like, it's okay if it doesn't connect with those loves. So I guess if you want to take the question in a different direction, feel free to. No, I think that totally makes sense. And that's one of the things that I've really grown to to love about tech is when you think of tech, you think of the software coders who are in their own room thinking really logically and typing away for hours and hours. But you have to consider that there's HR people in tech. There are accountants in tech. There are thought leaders in tech. There are customer facing people in tech. So I think that's one of the really cool and unique things about the tech industry is that people from so many backgrounds, I've got friends who started out as teachers and have transitioned into tech. There's no one right way to get in. So when I think about my choir and my theater background and performance, I have to be essentially turned on all day for my customers. I have to present the face of the company to the customer, because to them, that's what I am. I'm the person they interact with on a daily basis. So I have to be positive and upbeat and outgoing. And a lot of my performance skills from the choir and theater, I think definitely have played into that a lot. Days where I'm not feeling so hot, I still need to be able to be excited for my customers to help them be excited about the product, to feel knowledgeable if they're asking me questions about stuff that maybe I'm not so sure about or I don't know about. I still need to be able to instill confidence in my customers that what they're doing is going to work or help to pivot them in the right direction and be an influence. Because in my world of customer success, that's really what my whole job is about influencing the customer to make the best decision using the product that we have. That's really cool. I have a sister who is in theater and performing and she was filling out an application for something. And I was like, you need to talk about your theater experience. You need to talk about how you've learned to connect with an audience because even though you don't see the direct relationship right now, as you move through your career, you're going to see how deeply that connects. Oh, absolutely. And same thing with the Arabic and the language learning, right? A lot of these skills as you go throughout your life, you do something that you're passionate about, but you are able to take and apply those skills into all other areas and aspects of your life, whether you realize it or not. And you mentioned passion. And my next question, I want to be very clear. I do not think there is a right or wrong answer to this. (laughs) Are you passionate about the work you do now? Or have you found something that you're good at and does it like support other areas of passion? Does that make sense? Like how does passion fit into your career right now, but also your life at large? Yeah, totally. I definitely think I am passionate about what I do right now. I think I'm passionate about the customer success industry because I really do love helping people find solutions to their problems. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to spend my time doing. And as I've gone through my career, I've gone through several iterations of customer success jobs. I started out as building out that one at the small tech company. Then I went to a really large tech company here in Utah as more of an entry-level role and worked my way up to where I am now 
running a team of eight at a tech company, right? So I definitely think the work that I do, I'm passionate about because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to jump around from so many different levels in customer success. I think it all comes back to how can I help the customer? How can I make sure that my product is solving their problem? Particularly with the products we have right now, it focuses largely around employee recognition and helping people feel valued and appreciated for the work that they do on a daily basis. And that, my company's mission, is absolutely something I'm passionate about. And so that really helps me to find the passion and drive in my job because I'm passionate about our company's mission and what our product stands for. That's really cool. How does it feel to have discovered this like later? This isn't what you thought you were passionate about in college. Mm -hmm. Like, How does it feel that you've gotten to discover this as you've unfolded your career rather than like doing the dream that you thought like, this is what I want to do at 20. How does it feel to have discovered it along the way? Sometimes it feels a little bit like imposter syndrome in a way of, is this really who I am? Is this really what I thought I would be doing with my life? Again, in high school, I was convinced I was going to be an Oscar Tony winner. And here I am not even close to that at all. So I think sometimes the imposter syndrome for myself does creep up in there. And is this really what I want to be doing? Is this really what I'm good at? But then again, I look back at my life and how I've been able to be successful in all of these different roles. And it just reaffirms to me that, yes, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm passionate about. I love that. I've talked about this like on social media and on the podcast, but like I grew up not imagining that I'd have a career because I grew up thinking like my education is a backup plan Mm. for like if I get married and my husband passes away or what if I don't get married? And so so, so something I think about all the time is I'm like, I don't have a five-year plan. I don't have Mm -hmm. a dream career. I'm like taking the steps as they come. And it sounds like that's something that's happening in your career. Like Mm. it might not be for the same reasons as like I've described, I think everyone has unique reasons for that, but it sounds like you're taking the steps as they come and like maybe molding the dream, not like working towards the dream that was already set. Yes. I think long-term I knew I wanted to be, I will admit, I'm a little bit of a title chaser where I'm like, oh, I want to be the manager. Oh, I think there is some little bit of power need inside of me. This is probably growing up the oldest of eight kids. I've always been the powerful leader one. So I think that's built into my nature. So a little bit, I've known that this is always somewhere I wanted to be where I could manage and grow and lead a team of people. So the steps that I've taken as they've, yeah, as I've approached them, as I've just seen what opportunities are out there, always with that in the back of my mind and slowly trying to make myself in each of those roles stand out as a leader for those types of future opportunities to continue to present themselves to me, if that makes sense. I love that. I love that, like knowing like whatever you do, you want to lead. And so even maybe if the circumstances were looking different than you expected, like there was this goal of something that you felt like a pull towards inside of you. That's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to talk a little bit about being a woman in tech? Because like we hear about these awesome tech opportunities, but like also if you're a woman in the world, like you understand the sexism, you understand the barriers, you hear the stories, like those are two challenging experiences. Like it's brought you so much joy in your career, but I also imagine there's been some things you've worked through or things you've had to face that have been hard. Yeah, absolutely. Tech really is, again, an amazing opportunity. And I think being in CS, customer success in tech, that is largely where a lot of the women end up. Again, it's a customer facing role. Women, generally speaking, are a little bit better at connecting in that kind of way and relationship building, which I think is why a lot of women, when they come into tech, gravitate towards CS. However, it still is 
a man's world, even in tech. And yes, there have been a couple of instances where at one job, I had made a little bit of a mistake. Admittedly, I had slipped up. I had owned up to it and said, hey, this was totally my bad. This was totally my fault. Here's what I'm going to do to make sure that this doesn't happen again in the future. And the sales rep that it happened to ended up bullying me for the next two months. And partially why I ended up leaving that job is just because it was not a healthy work environment for me anymore. I didn't feel like what I was doing was appreciated and the bullying just got to be a little bit too insane. But again, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. You can't be afraid to stand up for yourself. And if you realize that there's a harmful environment that's standing in the way of you and your goals, you have to be willing to risk it if that's what needs to happen for you to get to the place where you can feel valued and whatnot. Another one of the companies I worked at has a, an infamous reputation in Utah for being a total bro company. I will be honest. I think I thrive there because I can very easily relate with that type of bro mindset, but also not take crap from them. So I feel like personally, I had a little bit of a unique ability to balance those two situations where I was willing to stick up and stand up for myself in those tough situations. But at the same time, I was able to play into the bro culture a little bit that was required of me at that point in time at that job. But I think the thing that I want to emphasize the most is there are good men in tech. And I think, again, the job I'm at now, the guys I work with are awesome. I was actually the first girl to join the company. I was employee number nine. So joining a group of eight guys to build this company from the ground up. But I have felt nothing but supported and validated and appreciated for the work that I do. And that has reemphasized and reminded me that there are good men in the tech space that want to encourage women and want to build up women and make sure that the women in the workplace are appreciated and recognized for what they're doing. And that's my message that I want to pass to anyone who's looking to be in tech as a girl is it can be scary. It sure can be, but there are good men out there who will have your back and support you 110%. You mentioned like you joined this team of eight men and it sounds like there were like specific things happening on that team that really fostered you. I would just love to hear what are your examples? What do you tell to men who want to make sure that they're like not only not treating women poorly, but consciously like supporting the women on their team, especially those women who might be the only woman in the room like you were? I think a couple of things that have really made me feel valued and appreciated are regular one-on-one -on -one conversations where we can talk about our personal lives. I know that's so cliche and it sounds so dumb, but it really does help to build that personal connection with each of these individuals so that when I come back and now I'm presenting a new software that I want to launch internally, or I need to ask for budget, or I need to do something else, we have a little bit of a personal ground that we can always come back to and relate to and know that we still have that personal relationship. So I think that's one thing that's been really helpful. Another thing that has been helpful is honestly just telling them like, hey, I recognize the work that you're doing. I see what you're doing. I know you're taking on an extra load right now and we appreciate what we're doing. What can we do to help you? That is something that I have been asked so many times over the last two years is what can we do to help you? And that puts the power in my hands to evaluate my needs Again, this is one time where you're going to have to stick up for yourself and say, what is it that I really need in this case? What is it that I really need in this scenario? And be honest with that versus, oh yeah, I've got it all under control. You as a woman do have to surrender to that a little bit. But I think these men in leadership roles or whatever can ask the women in 
their workplace. What is it that you need help with? What is it that I can do to help you? That can foster a really positive relationship for sure. I love just your point that like, whether it's taking someone's offer up and like expressing what you need, or whether it's standing up for yourself in situations where maybe people are not being thoughtful, that a lot of it is like working to find your voice and working to be like clear about who you are and your needs, and then having the courage to leave. Like, that Mm -hmm. seems like that was a really important move in your career too. There was the point in time where you were saying, hey, what can be done different so I can stay here? But also the point in time where you had the courage to go somewhere else, like both of those have equal importance. Yeah. And it is really hard to find your voice and it's something that takes practice. It's not something that comes overnight. It's something that comes in first small little interactions with your team members. And even just within your team meetings, if you're having a really busy week and you know that there's somebody that's having a little bit more of a lighter week, asking for that help and saying, Hey, what are you doing so that your week this week is easier? What can I be doing to incorporate some of those practices so that my weeks aren't as stressful. So it doesn't always have to be these huge, big life-changing moments where I'm jumping jobs or I'm moving departments or I'm pushing for myself to get promoted. It doesn't have to be this big thing. Finding your voice is made up of a lot of small, little daily decisions and conversations. I love that. Something that I want to go back to from earlier in the conversation is it sounds like the specific like area that you work in is like a newer area of tech, right? A lot of things about tech are very new, but it seems like maybe your area is especially new. Whether or not it's tech, I think a lot of us right now are working in jobs that did not exist when we were in high school. Like we could not have even said, I want to do this job. It didn't exist. And I think a lot of us are going to find ourselves in five or 10 years, like developing careers that don't exist now. So I'd love to hear what some of your thoughts are when you're like defining a role, when you're like stepping into like an area of work that's newer, that hasn't existed before. Like, are there principles that have helped you? Do you have thoughts that you share with other people who are thinking, okay, like I can't even really imagine my career right now. It's been created. Like I am one of the people creating this career. You're absolutely right. In high school, I had no idea what customer success was. I didn't know what customer success was until they approached me with this job as I graduated college. So that was really my first exposure to it It was 2018. Customer success has been around a little longer than that, but that was my first exposure. Honestly, Google was my best friend. Figuring out what kinds of resources are out there, what books are out there, what other people have done. And that's one of the beautiful things about the internet is there is a wealth of knowledge. And if it's not a specific blog post you're reading or book that you look at or research article, the internet is a wonderful place to connect with others who have similar career trajectories or similar ideas for what they want to do. So I think that is one really good place to go and to look and something that was super helpful to me as I was starting to build a department and define what this role was to me, what the role was to the company and what the role was to our customers as well, since that's kind of the area that I work in. That's really cool. We've talked a lot about your career and like, maybe this relates to kind of where you've gone. Maybe it's separate, but what are other areas of passion or excitement that you've developed apart from your career, maybe as you've gotten older and realized these different skills or these different loves you've had, what are other things you've been trying and other things that bring like richness to your life? One thing I've gotten into a lot in the last 
three years, probably since COVID times, as we all were discovering new things and passions about ourselves. One that I really got into was baking cakes. I have loved baking since I was little. I remember Saturdays, I would pull out a Betty Crocker cherry chip cake mix and make it in a little nine by 13 and put the cherry chip frosting over it. Oh, still so good. One of my favorite cakes to this day. But I decided I wanted to get good at making cakes. I wanted to learn how to do a layered cake with fillings and frostings and decoration. And I started out buying out some cheap stuff from Hobby Lobby because I have this terrible tendency of starting hobbies and investing a bunch of money into it and then abandoning the hobby after two or three weeks. So I started off with some cheapo plastic stuff from Hobby Lobby because I thought, hey, this is not going to be a long-term thing. I ended up really liking it. I made my friend's wedding cake at the end of 2020. I had another friend have me make her wedding cake. I started making other cakes for family, friends, and just for fun as well. And so that's one thing that a large part of my life the last three years has been dedicated to is getting good at making cakes. (laughs) Isn't it fun to get to know yourself as an adult, to discover that you like to bake cakes, to discover that you can have a career in tech, to discover this person that you didn't know you were going to be? Totally. And where tech and cake baking are so vastly different, right? They're two different sides of your brain. You have to be more analytical and logical in one. And then with the cake baking, it's total creativity. And all of that good richness, it's really fun being able to tap into both of those different sides of my personality and my loves. I love that. And I just think it's so fun because there, I felt like such a need to pick a career that like fulfilled me in all these things. And I realized like I need a career that like pays my bills. I need mm-hmm. a career that I want to go to every day, but I'm going to get to fulfill myself in so many other ways. Yes. It doesn't have to be all at my job. Correct. I think you'll be really hard pressed to find a single job that will fulfill every single one of your needs. It is so important to develop those other aspects of your life. Like I mentioned, we have three dogs. A large part of my day is spent taking care of dogs. And one of my favorite things that I do is take my little Lola dog out for a walk and be in the sunshine and play with her. That's another fun thing, which again, in high school, I was a major germaphobe, would have never thought that I would ever own a dog. And here I am living with three now. So that's again, a new fun thing you develop. But yeah, I am a huge proponent that you need to have a work-life balance. You need to have hobbies and passions outside of work, because I do not think there is a single job in the world that would fulfill every single need you have as an adult human being. What's something that you'd want to tell a younger Clara, whether it'd be like a piece of advice or something about the way like your career and your passions in general are going to go? What what would you want to tell her? That it's not going to be end up what you're thinking it is, but it's going to be better. I think that's my life advice in general, but especially with my career, again, I didn't know what customer success was, but now I'm able to run a team. I'm able to be at a work environment that I enjoy going to every day. I work with my friends. I don't do anything with Arabic as much, which actually little Clara may be okay with, and that's totally fine. But I think, yeah, the the life and career advice I would give her is, it's not going to be what you think it is, but it's going to be better. You're going to mess up a couple of times, but you'll figure it out and you'll be so happy with how you, how it all ended up. Is there anything that's come to mind, like related to career ambition, like your trajectory that you've wanted to share that you didn't get a chance to share during our conversation? I think just overall reminding, especially women, like you said, that's the primary audience here that you are allowed to take up space and you are allowed to have a voice and you are allowed to be bold and 
be confident in those decisions. I wish I had learned that sooner. I think there are a lot of opportunities I missed standing up for myself. But now that I'm able to do that, I feel more successful in my career. I feel more successful in my personal life. So I think that's really just my overall biggest thing is don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. It's the best thing that you can ever do is stand up for yourself. If people wanted to find you on the internet, are there places that they could go to if they wanted to see like your cakes or pictures of Lola? Yeah. So my personal Instagram is orangish bliss. There's no E. So that's super fun trying to figure out how to spell that. My cake Instagram is c2.bakes. And then since we're in the career and tech space, I do have a LinkedIn profile. It's just Clara Cummings, head of customer success at Nectar. So I'm more than happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn, more than happy to chat if anyone has any other questions. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was really fun to have you join me. Yeah, you as well. Good to chat with you. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you so much to you for listening. Thank you so much to Clara for your time. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It makes a difference. It helps people find the podcast. And then I get to hear what you're thinking about it. And I just love to know. You can find this podcast on Instagram at not a backup plan. And you can find me on Twitter at Madeline K. I'll be back in two weeks with another interview. And in the meantime, remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B. Plan B.